Well, good afternoon, page one, and greetings in the uh, precious name of Jesus. I hope you don't mind if I just move this back here. Maybe I won't have to turn my head back and forth that way. My what a uh, tremendous blessing is mine. What an honor um, to be standing in this place. Between my Heavenly Father and, and a few dear young people, fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, endeavoring to communicate the will of God into each one of our hearts. God help us. God help me. What a tremendous blessing to be encouraged the way we were this morning. You know, I, my wife normally unpacks my suitcase, and uh, there's other things that we unpack, but I've never heard of unpacking the Bible until I came to Washington. And it's just a very, very uh, beautiful term to me already. We, uh, in, in, in PA, we expound on the Word of God. We, we sometimes we say we lay out the Word of God, but, but you fellas, you, uh, you unpack the Word of God. And I like that. We take it out piece by piece and we put it in its proper place. And so, uh, thank you for that new term that you've given me. Different ones of you speak of unpacking the Word of God. We'll try and do that some more here in this uh, in this session here. I have on my notes here the Washington Bible School assignment. The disciplines of the Spirit-filled Christian life. I guess in order to practice the spirit-filled, the disciplines of the spirit-filled Christian life, we first need to be spirit-filled. Amen? And I trust that that's your experience. Um, we have not the spirit, Romans tells us, we're none of his. So I'm trusting and believing that those of you that are born again, you have the spirit of God within you. And we want to talk about the disciplines of the spirit-filled uh, Christian life for the next uh, five days in this afternoon session. I realize that being an afternoon session, um, I mean, you sure don't look tired. I'm blessed. Wow. It's it's uh, you've sat through two sessions already. You've had your you've had your chorus, and most of you are your eyes are wide open. You're bright faced, and you look just like those. Uh, those little birds you see in a nest, and the mother comes along with a, you know, with a word, and everyone is trying to get get the word. So I appreciate that a lot. Uh, your attending faces, and wonder if it'll still be that way by Thursday and Friday. We'll see. But God bless you as we as we hear from God during this session. You can open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter eight. We're not going to read there right now. I have uh, just uh, don't want to ask you to turn there when that time comes. Also, uh, we're going to be reading some in 1 John, chapter 1, if you just want to put your fingers there, or put a bookmarker in there, and probably also in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Other, other than that, I have, some, uh, I have some scriptures that I will, be, uh, I will be throwing in here and there, endeavoring to get our lesson across. And uh, somebody just very neatly... Um, 
put together that on Monday we will be speaking about reading and meditating. On Tuesday we will be speaking about fasting and praying. On Wednesday we will be speaking about singing and praising. On Thursday we will be speaking about evangelizing and discipling. And on Friday we will be speaking about serving and giving. And I appreciate the way that's so neatly uh, organized in, in, uh, in, in my schedule. However, I do ask for some liberty, if I may, just if we don't get done with one session, maybe I can just take it on into the next day, and uh, perhaps, you know, by Friday we'll be finished with all of them. It, it may work out that way a little bit, it may not, we'll see how the Lord leads and how uh, things come together for us here. But most of all, we just want to learn the practical uh, disciplines of a spiritual uh, Christian life. Uh, it doesn't much matter to me. Uh, if it's all uh, in order the way it was put together by <clears throat> whoever put it together. But we want to learn uh, these things together. And uh, it's sort of ironic, uh, Brother Pete, that you would choose this brother to have this session. Um, <laughs> we've had a beautiful time, Elaine and I have had since we left home and we flew to... Uh, Washington straight flight, wow, from Dulles, Washington to Seattle, Washington, straight six hours or so flight. And uh, our intentions had been to, uh, to just go visit some relatives in the area and then come down here on Sunday night, but I was on behind with my preparations and we decided to just get a motel and, and uh, just spend some time together. We had a beautiful time together. It's been a long time since I prayed for one hour with my dear wife together. I should do that some more, you know, pray together like that was a beautiful experience for us. But right outside of our hotel window, off in the distance with Seattle right at our feet, the busy streets and, and uh, trains and airplanes and, and uh, parking garages and, and billboards and uh, just a, uh, if it's like any other city in America, a sin infested city. But off in the distance was Mount uh, Rainier. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Off in the distance was Mount Rainier. It looked so beautiful and so untainted and so majestic and so just just outside of that uh, of the city where we were and. Uh, stirred my heart. It really did. It stirred my heart. And I, my heart doesn't get stirred as easily as some by some of these things. Now my wife, when we were driving down through here to get to this Bible school, she literally wept tears at the beauty of the mountains that you have out here in Washington. It's much more emotional than I am, but this, this Mount Rainier, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful mountain that you have. So we're supposed to be talking about the disciplines of a uh, spiritual Christian life. Um, if you think about it, the ones, the, the five that we mentioned here, they build on each other. We want to talk about that a little bit. They build on each other. As you, um, as you read and meditate the Word of God, and as you do that, as you take it in, as you meditate, you, um, you know, I, I've heard preachers talk about it this way, you know, you read the Word of God, and then even as, I, uh, as I've entered into the... Um, into the cow stable so many times as a boy. My father had a cow, he had a cow stable of, of 24 
of 24 cows on his, on his Amish farm is we would enter into the cow stable there. You would, at any time of day, the cows would be doing what? I, I can't do it like a cow does, but they would be there just chewing, chewing, chewing in their cud. And that's, that's the meditating on the Word of God. You read the Word of God, you put it in your heart, and it, it comes to your mind again, and you chew it all over again, and you, you, you go about your work for the day, and it comes to your mind again, and you're chewing it all over again. And just day by, just on throughout the day, you're just meditating on the Word of God. I don't know that we're talking so much about meditating this morning, as we will about reading, because I believe that meditating comes out of what you read. You know, you read, you read a, a good book, and you're, you're meditating on that book that evening as you go to bed. You really are. If you read the Bible, the Word of God, it has an impact on your mind and heart, you're going to meditate on it that night as you go to sleep. So these messages, they build upon each other. The reading builds upon the meditating. It drives you to, to, to a need in your heart, which brings about a fasting, a burden for fasting, and then prayer to God, maybe prayer in repentance, maybe prayer in, in knowing the knowledge of His will. As He gives you His answers, as He gives you, as you realize that they that confess their sins, He forgives their sins, and the blood of Jesus Christ washes those sins away. Out of your mouth and out of your heart comes praises and singing, does it not? I think you understand what, I, what I'm saying. These all build upon each other. Whoever built it, put this thing together knew what he was doing. And out of that praising and singing, you realize the joy of the Lord is upon your heart. And you see these sad faces of American cities. And you realize, this is for everyone. And some of this joy that I have in my heart, he also spread to the, uh, to the individuals that I meet throughout the day. And you start evangelizing, discipling those that you evangelize, and out of that comes also serving and giving. So, dear young people, you have all this at your fingertips. You have all this right before you. You get to be in the service of this great king, singing, praising, as you labor in his service. You're a blessed group of people. You are a very, very, very blessed group of people. I tell you what, multitudes upon multitudes of people of America do not have what you and I have available to us just by knowing the Word of God and then walking it out every day. Practical life. God bless you. So I brought some illustrations along this morning just to help us a little bit. I uh, see how this all works out. Years ago, I had a children's lesson to do at the church that we were attending, Charity Christian Fellowship, and I put together um, together these blocks just to help the children understand, and I think it's for adults as well as children. What we really need to talk about this morning is priorities. You know, we can talk for a long time about reading the Bible, but if it's not a priority in our life, it probably isn't going to happen. You know, if we have other things that are the priority, it's probably not going to happen. But I have this just to, uh, just to show us 
uh, just a picture of showing us that the Bible is a good foundation for the rest of the things in life. There's some more to put on top of here yet. I, uh, I don't know. I thought about something here. And uh, I don't want to uh, get in trouble with your parents. Uh, they might prefer it to be this way. I'm not sure. But uh, I've always had it this way. And the reason I did that... I'm looking at friends as friends who are in need, okay? Friends that have a need. I'm not looking at this friends as, as far as, uh, okay, first we, 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 we put the priority in, in our life. The Bible is definitely our priority, amen? The Bible, which brings about a relationship with God. It's a walk with God and all that is included in the Bible. Secondarily, those that have a Christian home and Christian parents and uh, those that have been given uh, people in your life that care for you, Christian uh, elderly, people that care for you. Um, the home life is a precious, precious, precious thing. To gather around the, 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 the altar at home and just to pray together and sing together, laugh together, work together, and just to be together. Home life is, is, is the secondary thing that I have here. Friends, um, a friend indeed is one that is able to lay down his life for his friend, Jesus said. So, so it, as you uh, consider um, the priorities in your life, uh, try not to put your friends before your family. Oftentimes, in young people's, in the life of young people, that can happen very quickly. Your friends are doing something, but your father is wanting to do something. And try and keep your priorities, your perspectives in the right place and in this order. And, uh, of course, then we have our work, and way up here I have a little bit of time for pleasure. Is that how it is with everyone here? Is that how you... Is that how you... <laughs> I mean, you probably got it all in order, and I don't even need to talk about these things. I could just, uh, perhaps just, uh, just, uh, kind of lay this aside and move on to higher ground, perhaps, but maybe not. Maybe we should talk about it. <clears throat> but this is a solid, uh, a solid, a real solid uh, foundation here that we have. It's, uh, it's immovable. The strong winds can come blasting uh, across the, uh, uh, down from the uh, Montana mountain into the valley. And uh, this foundation will stand. It will. I guarantee you. And so what I have normally done, just to drive this illustration home even a bit more, I've tried this thing just to show you how that when the waves and the wind blow on this foundation, wait a minute, where are we? It's really not very sturdy. And I don't know if there's anybody here like that or not. Um, I kind of hope not, where pleasure is the priority in our lives. It gets very, very shaky. And many people's lives are just uh, kind of kind of battered back and forth. And they may even come crashing down when a, when a strong wind uh, blows. 
um, blows against uh, their foundation because the foundation is just not very, uh, just not very solid whatsoever. So I brought a, a friend along this morning. Well, he, I think he's a friend. I, he's one that used to walk with God, okay? And it's a sad thing when someone turns his back on God, but it happens. It happens. And one of the reasons for Bible school is for you students, you young men and you young ladies, is to be ready, to be prepared always to speak a word of truth to a few of those that have known God and have walked away from God. You can rise up and be that seed that can be planted in any person's life. But Demas, I brought Demas along this morning, a small friend of mine, who once knew God, but he walked away from God. He's spiritually dead, so I have him in a coffin. I wasn't going to put him in a coffin to bring him here, but I was afraid if I wouldn't, he would break. And um, my wife packs those suitcases really, really tight, and just to preserve his physical body, I put him in a coffin, but he is actually spiritually dead. So we could say that he's... Uh, We'll just pass him around here, okay? Don't take him out of the coffin. Don't touch him. Just take a look at him. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Demas was? you know anything about Demas? Any of you Bible school students? You want to have preeminence? Okay. Uh, I think that was another one. I'm not sure who that was. I think maybe. Yes. Um, Demas. It's okay. Demas. He was a companion of Paul. And he was a faithful companion of Paul. Paul speaks of him in Philemon. He says these words. He was my fellow laborer, along with Marcus, Arsarchus, Lucas, and Demas was my fellow laborer. He, we worked alongside of each other. When you realize what Paul did in preaching the word, and he would go into the cities, and he would, he would just speak the word of God into people's lives, and he would, the, the Bible says they, they, they turned the world upside down. And this Demas was it seemingly right alongside of him as a fellow laborer for the things of the kingdom of God. I mean, this was a beautiful thing. This Demas. At one time. <clears throat> we have a sad commentary of, of Demas later on. Paul says about him in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Demas hath forsaken me. Anybody know why? Any Bible school students know why? He loves the present world. Close it again. For he loved, thank you, man. For he loved this present world. Why do people forsake God? Because they love this present world. And Demas, where is he? Is he coming back to me or are you keeping him? Where is he at? Oh, okay. All right. I, I, uh, okay, yeah. Okay. 
Demas had forsaken me because he loved this present world. He's tossed and turned about with every wind of doctrine. At some point, he will come crashing down. When he does, when he does, and when all the demises of the world come crashing down, will you, will you be there for them? Will you be there to speak truth into their lives? Will you be strong? Will you be faithful? Will you be able to be God's servant and speak into their lives and say, you know, there's a better way. There's a better way. <clears throat> Young people, read your Bibles. Pray every day. Read your Bibles. Pray every day. It will prepare your heart for the demises of this world. And not only the demises, but those that have never known God. Now, I didn't mind to put him on top here. And that's pretty much what Demas' commentary looks like. He might have had a little Bible in his life. Still, we don't know. He might have just thought, well, Paul, we don't have to be that radical, you know. We can be a Christian and we can uh, just read a little bit of the Bible um, in the evening before we go to bed, you know. We don't have to be that radical. You know, we can, we can, we can just build our foundation on pleasure and, 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 and just, just, just put our all into our work and our friends and a little bit of home life, a little bit of Bible. He may have. Let Demas, in a sad situation, he is. <clears throat> not so uh, for you, not so uh, for myself. I, uh, I mentioned earlier that of the honor and a blessing that it is to be here with y'all. And I, I, uh, I was thinking of that earlier this morning. I, I was so terribly, terribly, terribly embarrassed when my phone rang. I'm sorry about that. That's a, uh, a no-no to me. You don't take your phone into a service and leave it turned on. God's house, and I was very, very hard on myself, almost to the point of not being able to forgive myself, but God, I had just heard a message about how God knows everything, He allows things to happen, and uh, I just needed to bring a little bit of humility into this brother's life, I suppose, and I leave it with God, and by the time I was done in my prayer upstairs, I was thanking Him for it. God bless you all for uh, forgiving me. I'm assuming you can and will have. But some of these things of this world, life, these distractions, um, they uh, they need they have their place perhaps outside of the house of God outside of my heart when it's time to preach the Word of God as well. So, but I was, uh, I was thinking about the great love of God as I was sitting here this morning, and I was, uh, my mind went back to, uh, I'm supposed to be teaching on reading and meditating, I will get to that brother Pete. Um, 
go. My baby niece, her name is Ruth, Ruthie we call her. She was just beginning to, maybe she was three years old, I don't know. She was on my brother Leroy's lap, her papa. He was rocking her and he was explaining to her about the, uh, the great love of God and how that God loves everyone. Ruthie, dear child, God loves everyone. And she looks up in his face and she says, even Uncle John? Even Uncle John, Papa? And uh, evidently Uncle John, uh, her dad's older brother, was uh, it was kind of, uh, he was a Christian man, but evidently he kind of scared her a little bit. And even Uncle John, yes, even Uncle John, yes, even Pete Garber, yes, even, even, uh, even Brother Paul, even me. And I thought about this morning when I thought about uh, preaching here in this, in this pulpit, this holy ground. I, I have no idea what you brethren have gone through in the last five, six, seven, eight years. I really have very little idea where the hearts of these young, actually I do, because I see your bright faces and happy smiles. I do have an idea what's in your hearts, and it's a blessing to me. But, but, but what I'm saying is, even God, even you, me, in this place, it is amazing to me. It is amazing to me. A man that has fought against God for years in his life, fought against any authority in his life, spent time in prison due to the sin that so gripped his life. The despicable, immoral life of a sinner that God can reconcile and call to himself and change his heart and set him on a right path and loosen his tongue to preach the word of God even me? Sometimes I'm just awestruck at what God can do. And when you go out on Thursday, when you go out on the street and you meet anyone, realize that God can do that same thing for any other person. Praise the Lord. That's the gospel. Well, the assignment for today is the disciplines of the Spirit-filled Christian life, and we start with the discipline of reading and meditating. I uh, felt sorry for a few of you young ladies on last night. Was it last night when we gave intro introductions? I, uh, I don't know if I felt sorry for you, but I... Uh, I uh, I wondered what I could say to inspire you that a year from now you could stand up and say, I love to read. I heard a few of you say, I just don't like to read that much. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. I always loved to read from the time I was, uh, as long as long as I can remember. 
I, I just don't. I mean, I'm not a disciplined person, really. I, I, I don't. That's why I say it's ironic that I would be asked to teach under disciplines, because I'm not really a disciplined person. Okay, back to the motel room, looking out of Mount Rainier. I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. We were up in that motel room, and down in the parking lot where there was all these. Um, there's a huge parking lot where there was parking for the uh, for the folks from uh, overnight parking for the folks from the airport. We had gotten up the next morning. We're looking out the window, admiring Mount Rainier, and there was this man down in the parking lot with his key in his hand, and he was running across the parking lot, pushing this button and and waiting to hear a click somewhere that a door opened up. Now, I have parked in parking lots already where I can't find my car, but this man forgot what his rental car looked like, and he couldn't find it. He was going all over this parking lot looking for a, listening for a click, and we were up there in this window watching him. It was so absolutely comical because he would run for a while, and he'd push his button, and he'd incline his ear this way, and that way, and he would run to another... Oh, it was just hilarious. <laughs> But what came out of my, the mouth of my wife next was not quite as hilarious. She said, that reminds me of you. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but you know what? We were ten stories up. How much higher than that is God in heaven who sees everything? We were reminded this morning that He sees everything. How many times does He see us bustling around and carrying on and trying to find our way? And, and He says, just, just ask me. Just, just, just ask me. Just, or just read the Word. There's an answer in the Word for you. I mean, you're just, you're just hustling and bustling all over the place here. Uh, reading and meditating. Well, uh, to all of us, not just to those of you that that shared with us, and thank you for sharing uh, in honesty that uh, you just don't enjoy reading that much. That's uh, I think we all should be honest with where we're at with all things in life. But to all of us um, that may uh, find it uh, difficult to. Uh, to uh, just uh, apply ourselves to these disciplines. Paul says to Timothy, in chapter 4, verse 13, of uh, 1 Timothy, uh, Paul is evidently going away for a time, and he says to his young disciple, until I come, Timothy. Somebody want to finish it? Thank you. Until I come, give attendance to reading. Now what I get out of that, Read! Read, Timothy! Read! Uh, read! Open your Bible and read, Timothy. Just read! Give attendance to reading. Make it a priority of life. Not only does he say that to, uh, to, to, to young Timothy, he also says these words. He says that from a child, Timothy. Same book, chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. That from a child, Timothy, thou hast known the holy scriptures, 
which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Thank you. Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. And then these words, yet remember, Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Thank you for doctrine. Thank you proof. For correction first and for instruction. Thank you. And one more. Well, instruction in in righteousness. John D. Martin would say right living. For instruction in right living. In order that you may know how to live. All scripture is given by inspiration of God that ye may know how to live your lives. Now if we don't read the Bible, how will we know how to live our Christian lives? That's very, very important that we read the inspired word of God. We want to spend a little bit of time uh, on, these, on these verses here this morning before we go any further. And I just, you know, the thought did occur to me that perhaps there's someone here. Very probable. And believe me, you're not condemned. God's end is outstretched still to anyone that has not surrendered their life uh, fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're in a good place this week if that is where you are. And just uh, committed in your heart that God is calling you. God is calling all men everywhere. It's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to salvation. So if you're not a born-again Christian, if you have doubts whether you're a, a born-again Christian, all Scripture is given, or the Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures were given to make the wise unto salvation. It's a good place to be here this week as the Scriptures are laid out to us day after day in different uh, sessions. Read the Bible, young people, for it is profitable for doctrine. You know, I don't know if you hear people say this in Washington, but Pennsylvania we sometimes hear not just the young people, but, but uh, older ones say this as well. No, I don't really have a conviction for that. And... Uh, I don't really have a conviction for for that either. And um, another term that really makes me weary is, uh, you know, Brother Paul, it's not really a salvation issue. Maybe people don't say those things in Washington. We hear them in Pennsylvania, and um, and uh, my answer, I guess, would be. The Bible was given for doctrine. Amen? The Bible was given, uh, Brother Aaron, Brother David, the young uh, sisters here, the Bible was given that doctrine and conviction might be built in our hearts. That's why the Bible was given. It was given that you might grow in conviction. If you're 16, 17, 18, 19, and you say, well, I don't really have a conviction for that, well, then my question would be, have you been reading the Bible? Because the Bible was given to build doctrine in your heart. The Bible was given to cause you to be strong. We're going to turn this thing around. Oh, 
we have a solid foundation here again. But the Bible was given that uh, you know that we have a we have a uh, we have a strong foundation of doctrine, doctrinal principles. And I don't know if it's good enough for you young people. I mean, your parents seem to have, uh, for the most part, uh, I don't know all your parents. Maybe some of your parents aren't here. Uh, but for those of you that are, have godly homes, that live in godly homes, you have godly parents, um, solid convictions. They were built upon the doctrines of the Word of God. You know what? You know what I'm going to say next? You need to dig those out for yourself. That's right. Don't piggyback on, 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 a, on, on the convictions of your dad or your mom. I mean, certainly you can embrace them. You can appreciate them. You can build upon them. But dig them out for yourself. That when you're on the streets of Seattle or you're on the streets of wherever you are, you're in a foreign country somewhere, you have no problem explaining to anybody anywhere why you wear that covering on your head or why you dress the way you do or why you have such joy radiating out of your face. You have no problem explaining those things because you know it from your own heart. You have been convinced of them by reading the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Read the Bible to become sound in doctrine. Read the Bible. Why? Well, for reproof. There's always that possibility that I may have erred yesterday. You know, we're not infallible, are we? Even though we have the Spirit of God within, we know God, we have His Word, we're not infallible. There's a possibility of falling possibility of failure, and uh, read the Bible. You may need some reproof. I'll give you a personal testimony. Well, <clears throat> early in our, in our marriage, So a man lives in sin for 12, 13, 14, 15 years. He meets this girl about um, 10 years into that kind of lifestyle. He decides he wants to marry her and tells her so. She's not convinced this is a good idea. But five years later, they end up getting married after he comes to Christ. And God did a marvelous work by thanking the Lord such an unsanctified state. When you get married in that unsanctified state, you try and be a good husband, you try and be a good wife, you try and uh, raise children. I don't know if you all know what an Amish home is like. I'll give you a little bit of a taste of my culture. I don't necessarily know what a German Baptist home is like either. But I don't think it's like an Amish home. An Amish home, you know that dad and mom love each other. It's just kind of a given. I mean, it's expected. I mean, actually, you don't really know much about the word love. You don't express love. You never touch each other. You never see mom and dad holding hands. And you've never heard dad say to mom, I love you. 
you've never heard mom say that to dad, I love you, I love you. And, and, and I get married to this girl after all these, this life, of, this debauched life of sin, and I've come to Christ and get married to this beautiful young lady. And I find her crying at the sink one day after being married to her, and I ask her what's the matter, and she says, I, I just haven't told her that I, that I love her. I just don't tell her that I love her. And I... Ignorance. Okay, it's just ignorance, alright? So I... I always thought in my mind that I would never have married her, that if I don't love her, I wouldn't have married her, so it's just an expected thing, that why wouldn't I love you? And it's, it's a done deal for the rest of our lives. She grew up in a home where uh, love was expressed all the time back and forth between mom and dad, and that's what she was expecting when we got married. And, uh, and uh, there she was crying. And there I was bewildered. And it took me a long time to get over that one. And for a long time I thought there was something wrong with her. I tell you, it's just playing out ignorance from a culture that never, and that's just how people live. It's not ignorant for them, it's just, it's okay, it works for them but it didn't work for her and I. But I was in error, okay? I was in error. I needed to be reproved by the Word of God. And I remember reading the Word of God over this issue one day. And I remember exactly where I was in my office that day when the conviction of the Holy Ghost came into my heart. Brethren, are you thankful? Young ladies, are you thankful for the conviction of the Holy Ghost upon your heart? I tell you, that's a beautiful thing that can turn a man's, turn a man's heart completely from who He is and make Him again anew and, and continue on in that beautiful work of sanctification that God wants to do in every one of our lives. And I can tell you there's time and time and time again in my life when that conviction of the Holy Ghost uh, came down and just convicted of this man of sin. And I remember just arguing for a long time over the fact that there's something wrong with my wife that she needs to be told again and again. Every, you know that her husband loves her. I came to the realization after searching the scriptures and that God, do you know how many times God in His Word expresses His love for you? It is often. It is often. It is often. I remember counting the times. I remember going through the Bible and just I remember falling to my falling on my knees on that office floor and just weeping before the Lord and just crying out to the Lord that I have sinned. I have erred. The Word of God was a reproof to me that day. And I repented before the Lord and I repented before my wife. And to this day, there's not a day I don't know that goes past when I don't say I love you. God is so good. He's so good. God is so good. The Word of God, inspired by God, given to you for doctrine and for reproof. And I just gave you one area of my life. Dear young people, there's many. And you could share testimonies yourself of the way the Word of God has been reproved to you all as well. For correction. You know, we live out our lives and we think we're doing pretty good and we 
we have set a course and we're, we're, uh, we're busy with work and whatever all else we're doing. And uh, if we read the Word as, 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 as we ought, perhaps, if we have the Word of God precious to us, we have the Word of God as a beautiful thing to us. If it is the priority in our life, it will continue to bring correction into our life that will keep us on the right path. You know, we may quickly err this way or we may quickly err this way, but the Word of God, as we read it, it will keep us on that straight path on the way to eternal life. The Word of God is given to us uh, for, for correction as well and for instruction in righteousness. Read the Bible and you turn, change your course and you turn and you, uh, you go a different way. You find out that it's a good way. David said, he has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Amen. And many of you also have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. His way is good. And when you read the word and you realize that in this one area of my life I was going my own way. And I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I'm going to change my course in his correction and instruction in righteousness. Right living. How to treat your neighbor. How to raise your children. How to honor your parents. How to relate to others in the church. How to clothe yourselves. It's instruction in righteousness. How to be separate from the world. How to be diligent in speaking truth into a dying and decaying world. The Bible is given to us to read that we might know how to live, how to do right living, how to be a godly young person that will bring glory and honor to the King. You know, I have been faithful in this, reading my Bible diligently every day, and I have failed in this, reading my Bible diligently every day. I remember a day years ago, this was quite some years ago when we still lived in Manchester up on Wallace Road. And I remember that every morning I would go out to my office out in the barn and I would read the Bible. I would spend half my time with God and what a beautiful thing that was for me. One day we received an offer from the Lancaster Daily newspaper. It was a good offer. It was a, uh, it was a, it was very, a very good price for a year's subscription to the newspaper, and, and I applied for the subscription. And uh, so, the newspaper man came early. Amazing how early he really came. But when I would walk out to the barn in the morning, and I would go up the driveway and make the turn to go right into the barn, the newspaper was laying right there in the driveway, and I picked it up and I took it along to the office. And I, uh, I looked at the headlines there in the office, and uh, then I read my Bible and uh, my good devotions. And, and the next day I read the headlines again, and the, the sad part about it is it didn't stay with the headlines, and soon my Bible was getting neglected, and the newspaper was being esteemed higher than the Word of God. Now. Maybe that never happens to anyone else here, but that's a, uh, that's a practical story of my own life where something in this world got a hold of my heart where it should have never got a hold of my heart. 
It should have never taken place of that special time with God. And I lived that way for, I think, the summer. And, and that fall sometime, I think maybe six months, maybe three, four months later, repentance again came to my heart. Praise the Lord. And again, we got on the right track. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I know I would not be here preaching to you all today if those things would not happen in my life. If I would have gone on in that same um, same track and the things of this world would have just grabbed my heart and I would really have nothing to share that would be of any help to anyone today. So I just thank God again for His uh, conviction of the, of the Holy Ghost again and again. So read your Bibles, young people. Pray every day. See, what is the time up here? Okay, thanks. Psalm 119, uh, 105, uh, has these words, Thy word uh, is a lamp unto my feet. And uh, as an Amish boy, young Amish lad, I, I would help with the milking in the morning. And, and uh, we, don't, we, we don't have electric in our barn. Excuse me. We don't have electric in our barns. We have these Coleman lanterns that you light. And I remember lighting these lanterns in the barn and taking them out to the barn. You know, and as you carry a lantern, it gives you the light. It gives you, lights your path just right, maybe four feet ahead of you. But even as you take that, that lamp along with you, um, it, it is, it's very good in a dark place. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Now, the Bible says in, in 119 that it is also a light. That the Bible is also a light unto my path. And um, I like that because being a light unto my path is a little different than, than a lamp unto my feet. Now we're talking about a path going through perhaps a dark forest with huge trees on each side of a path, vines growing on the trees and there's, there's darkness all around, and, 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 uh, but along this path, uh, lo and behold, there's these landscaping lights uh, every five feet on either side of the path, and these lights are just all along uh, this path. Thy word is a light unto my path, and you know, there's darkness all around, and, and, and Jesus said, I came not to call them out of the world, but that they mayest be kept from evil, amen, that they may be kept from evil while they are in the world. And thy word is a lamp, yes it is a lamp unto my feet, but it is also a light unto my path, way out ahead, you can see that light still shining on that path, and you know where you're going, your, your, your gaze is set, and you're, a, you're, you're, you're going in, in a direction, in a straight path uh, through a dark, through a dark woods, because thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus said in John verse 17, He said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. Then we have another word verse in Psalm 119. Wherewithal, and I would include young ladies with this verse as well as young men. Wherewithal shall young men and young ladies 
cleanse their way. Amen. By taking heed thereto, according to thy words. So read your Bibles. Pray every day. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 8. Well, one more illustration. Pilgrim's Progress. How many of you have read Pilgrim's Progress here? You're all familiar. Most of you are familiar with Pilgrim's Progress. Well, keep in mind, it was, it was when Pilgrim, Pilgrim stayed on that lighted path that, uh, that, that, that he was in a good way. But remember the day that he got off in the mud, he got off in the slough of despond, or the slough of despond there, and he got off the lighted path. He, uh, he thought he'd take a shortcut or something. Let's not take shortcuts in our Christian lives, amen? amen. Let us stay on that path, and just, just that lighted path, reading the Word, keeping in mind, applying it to our lives every day. Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. So here were the captives of Israel coming back uh, to Jerusalem to rebuild uh, Jerusalem after Nehemiah had wept and prayed and, and uh, put the men in place. And they had actually built this wall in 52 days. And now they're bringing out the book of the law to read it. We're not going to read as much as I was going to here, but in, in verse 8, so they read in the book of the law of God, somebody say it, distinctly. Thank you, brother, for that teaching this morning, how to unpack portions of the Word of God and how to... Uh, how to, uh, how to do that in, in a book study in that way. They read in the book in the law of God distinctly and they gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. When you go to read your Bible, when you open your Bibles in the morning and there's something that you don't understand, you can pray about it. You can ask God to show you and give you the understanding. You can talk to other Christians. How do you understand this verse? There's some things that I heard here this morning that I'd like to talk to some of you your brother's about, you know, it's just it's an exciting way to walk the Christian life. You know, I read this this morning, and uh, you know, what does this really mean in the Bible? It's, it's, it's okay to ask other people and, and, and humble ourselves and say, really, I, I need some help with this. Gave the sense and they understood. Understand what you're reading. God bless you. We, uh, we need to move on here. Last year, this is the first time in my life, and I will do it again, but it's the first year in my life that I took the Word of God and systematically read it through. Now some of you might be saying, what? You're 56 years old and you've just done that for the first time? Others of you are probably saying you've never done that. And that's okay, I guess. I, I'm not necessarily saying you have to do that, but I just want to share with you what a blessing it was in my life. And there are mornings, there's times, you know, and, you know, what do you do when you come to the, to the law? What do you do when you come to the genealogies and you've committed yourself to, to reading this book through in its entirety in a year? What do, you come to, what, what do you do when you come to those places that are just not interested? <sighs> Read on! <laughs> Persevere! <laughs> I, 
done it. But by example of my 18-year-old son, I bless him for it. I think he's done it twice. I'm not sure, but I think he's done it twice. I tell you, it's a good discipline. It is a good discipline. There are many times when I read the Word uh, during that year when I just went away from there feeling like I've been fortified for the day. Feeling like God has met my need. And read your Bibles. Pray every day. God bless you.